didn't feel good in my house last night, but it feels good this morning with the Wildcats. Help us, Jesus. I don't want to hear anybody from Louisville say a word over there either. <laughs> I heard you went down to South Carolina just to jinx us, just to cheer us. <laughs> South Carolina. Father, he, forgive him, for he knows not what he's... <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your sweet, sweet anointing. Thank you. You've called us for such a time as this. You have marked us. We're yours. I thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for your presence that's always on our life, that's always on this house and this family. I thank you, Father, that we are entering into a fresh, fresh move of your presence move of your presence where we will see two streams come together at a greater capacity than we ever had before it's been fun up to this point father but i'm so excited about what's coming even in the coming weeks and we give you praise for it in jesus mighty name the church said <clears throat> i said the church said you know uh last week i began uh basically the the message i have i'm going to actually preach it i didn't preach last week it's called Two streams move. Everybody say, two streams move. And where's that come from? Well, back on uh, in the summer of 2005, God visited me while I was prepping uh, to study. I was prepping and studying. He visited me and says, I'm going to take your life and I'm going to use it to bring two streams together. Integrity and faith in my word and demonstration and manifestation of my glory. And as soon as I came back, I wanted to preach it, but I had to wait till uh, New Year's Eve of 2005 when I released it to you, the church. And God said, you're going to be a presence-driven church. Now, that doesn't mean we're a flaky, weird church. What it means is not just driven by his presence, but his presence will always be on the house. If we're open to it and we are hungry for it, we receive it. And it's on us at different levels often but it manifests probably greater in this house than any other church that I've been in in this area and, and most churches around the country because God shows up and shows out when you're ready for him to move are you ready for him to move and what's interesting about this coming into November the 11th through the 13th I'm finally releasing what's been on my heart now goodness so I got that word in 2005 right so what's that how many 2005 to 22, 17 years ago, a little over 17 years ago, I released this word to you, and this year we're going to have an intensive, immersive, camp meeting, Holy Ghost time, and it's called, what, Two Streams Conference, Manifesting God's Glory. Now, what is manifest? Manifest means to make visible, to make seen. Manifest is when you feel it, you sense it, you know it. It's very important when you think about that, two streams coming together, integrity and faith in God's word. You see, we have to have integrity in his word. I'm not talking about your personal integrity. We should all have that. But integrity in his word means that we are so confident and sure that we believe it and we honor it. Well, it's good to believe something and to honor it, but you got to have faith to release it or activate it. So every word that God gave me in those two sentences is basically so critical. What two streams, integrity in God's integrity and faith in God's word. And then this next word gets overlooked from some people. They jump right on over to manifestation and glory, but demonstrating. Everyone say demonstrate. Demonstrate what? Demonstrate manifested, making God visible, God seen, God felt. His glory, right? Integrity and God, integrity and faith in God's word, and what demonstrating and manifesting God's glory, making Him visible, making Him seen, making Him heard, making Him felt. And it's wonderful when we see people come to Christ. That's the greatest miracle, the greatest gift, the most significant, important thing we can ever do as believers is to bring people into the kingdom. <clears throat> but when we see God move and we see a blind eye open, a back healed, we see anxiety, fear, oppression, depression instantly leave people. We see people receive the manifestation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in a language that they've never spoken before. 
when we begin to see that, it stirs up our faith. What is faith? Knowing and trusting God. We know him better. We trust him. Just like you hear me say often, what? <clears throat> that the children of Israel knew God, but Moses knew his ways. What's that mean? The way he moves, the, 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 the way he speaks, the way he talks. He had such integrity and faith in God. Now, we understand the word, right? Logos is the sum, total, and purpose of God. That's in the Greek. And then rhema is what? The promises of God. Jesus fulfilled both of those when he came to this earth. The Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And later on down in that same chapter, it said, and, and the word was uh, manifested. What The word became uh, flesh, manifested or flesh. Who was it? It was Jesus. And it says Jesus was, became flesh right now. We understand we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have the Trinity. We have, uh, we have Jesus, the Son, our older brother, but also our Lord and our Savior. We have access to the kingdom through salvation, but what is salvation? Salvation is when you believe that Jesus came, died, and rose from the dead as the Son of God, and rose from the dead and is at the right hand of the Father. When you believe that in your heart and speak it with your mouth and ask him to be Lord, he will become Lord and Savior of your heart and life. Now, the word save, save is really meaning saving. So we see, uh, like I shared last week with you, there's seven tenses in the Greek language, which we get our translation in the Greek language from Jesus' original language, Aramaic. And when we understand that, there's in the Greek language, there's a past tense, but it's got a past, present, future tense. There's a present tense, it has a past, present, future tense. There's a future tense, it has a past, present, future tense. And so what I want you to realize is when we get the word soterio, it means, yes, yeah, salvation, say, it means being saved, being, uh, being, uh, being delivered. It means uh, being preserved. In other words, that word being there, what it is always saying is it's just constantly happening, happening. Now, of course, when you give your life to Christ, you're born again, you're, quote, as we understand in the English language, saved, right? We're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's great. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. That's great. But when you understand it from biblical language and revelation, I want you to realize that God is constantly renewing you. God is constantly bringing depth to you. God is constantly bringing new things that you never knew you had or could be through the gateway, which is salvation. It means wholeness. It means pre be preserved, right? So you're receiving wholeness right as we speak right now. How, how soon does God move? That quick. Really quicker than that. He's so quick in moving, and, and so many times we miss it because we get stagnant in a season in our life. Now, I read uh, most of Miss Gwen's vision that she had a few weeks ago. I read it last week, and uh, it, it's so powerful. I want to make sure that we uh, take that, that portion I had and we post it somewhere so our church can see it and, and get that down. And it really brought <clears throat> into balance, not balance, but it really brought into light or uh, uh, understanding or really the word that I get, Miss Gwen, is confirmation to the two, two streams vision <clears throat> because you talked about how we're moving now and how we're in it. And if we will focus on God, not focus on our problems, our fear, then what happened? We'll focus on the goodness of God. We're going to see this move of God that's already happening. She said, I, when I sat down over there, and she grabbed my hand and she sat down over there, uh, uh, she was out in the spirit, and I said, leave her alone, just let her sit there, because I knew God was speaking to her. And she said, I tried to open my eyes up, but the light was so strong in the pulpit. I knew you were up there, but I couldn't see you. I tried to open my eyes. It was just so bright. And that reminds me of what happened with Moses when he said, God, I want to see your face. And God said, Moses, you can't handle my face. But go up the cleft of the rock, what, a big cave in a mountain, and I will let you see my hinder parts or my back. And Moses obeyed. And what happened with, to Moses? When he came off the rock, God's glory was so great, he, 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 he just couldn't even comprehend the backside of God, let alone his face. Because glory manifests, that means God is present, right? And made visible, made seen. We can't handle God in his fullness because we haven't been transformed yet into total spirit being. 
we would, we, our, our body with flesh and sin, we would just, we'd be gone because why? He protects us now through Jesus and grace. So, here's what I'm saying. When Moses came off, out of the cave, off the rock to look him down, the glory was so bright. His face was shining so bright. They had to put a covering called a veil over his face because people couldn't even look at him. God's presence was so prevalent on his life. That's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament. Remember I shared with you last week when Jesus was feeding, uh, when Jesus, uh, John the Baptist was in prison, right? And his disciples came and they were kind of quizzing Jesus on, are you the Messiah? And he said, simply just go back and tell John what you see and hear. You see the, the, the deaf hear, the, the blind see, the lame walk again. People are saved, people are delivered and so on. And, and they went back. They were happy, right? They were baptized under John. Then they became baptized under Jesus. That means that's your rabbi. And then he stood up to the 5,000 people, men and their families, and he said, I want to say this to you. And then after that, John the Baptist was uh, beheaded. And when he got the news that another, whenever he was beheaded, what did he do? He stood up in front of all these thousands, tens of thousands of people, really, and what did he say? There's, not, there's never been a greater prophet than John the Baptist. There's never been a greater prophet than John the Baptist until, and but what I want you to realize is, Greater is the least of you than he. There's never been a more anointed, greater man than John the Baptist, but the least of you. That means anyone that's a believer out there with 5,000 men and their families, probably thirty to 40,000 people, any one of you, you're a believer. So what happened is Jesus, it didn't happen that day. So they said, well, I'm greater than John the Baptist. No, it didn't happen that day. This was their hidden season when they didn't feel God and see God. The only thing they felt and saw of God was when they saw Jesus. God had not even manifested himself for 400 years from the old covenant, Malachi, to the new covenant. I think it's 400 years or 300, I can't remember what, but several hundred years, right? Until John the Baptist was uh, given birth to, and, and, and God baptized him in the spirit in his mother's womb. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, whole other And John the Baptist became the Elijah to Jesus and prophesied that there's one coming and I'm not worthy to lash his sandals. But when he comes, he'll bring what? Fire and power. Fire and power. Oh, I could teach you. I taught for two months on that. We have more people baptized the Holy Ghost than we ever have here and anywhere I preach that day. Fire and power. Listen. When God shows up, he burns things away in you that don't need to be in you. And he tries you as gold or silver, and he, he shakes you into something that you could never be on your own. I could never be who I am. I, I, I wouldn't even, I've told you, if it hadn't been for God, I wouldn't have made it much past my 21st birthday. Because I got saved right a week, uh, the week, well, New Year's Eve. I got saved basically on my birthday, New Year's Day, early that, that, that next day, that next evening. And I was, I'd already totaled three cars and probably got two colleges. You've heard the whole story. I was on a quick track to death, but God. And God did something so powerful in me when I knelt that night, that next night at that little, that wonderful Nazarene church, that little altar of 17 adults in there. And I gave my life to Christ. The glory of God came so, he said, well, how did you quit the drugs? How did you quit all that partying? I tried so many times to get myself ready, and I couldn't, and I'd fail. I tried just trying to get myself saved. But in that instant, God's power and presence was so strong on me that it just took the desire for drugs and all that stuff out of my life. It took the desires for, you know, uh, living the lifestyle a young man lived out of, in that wasn't married, and all those kinds of things. But that only lasts for a while. Now you've got to get revelation on top of that, Right? You've got to get, what is revelation? It's the revealed word of God. It's the uncovering the voice of God. It's the spiritual language of God. And when God reveals something to you, it's hidden. Now, I'm going to talk to you in depth here. That's what I wanted to get to today. As we're coming into this great, you need to clean your calendars, November 11th through the 13th, Friday evening through Sunday night, and I mean Saturdays and everything. 
Whatever you're doing, get somebody to fill in for you. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss it because I know that I know God's glory is going to be so powerful through Pastor Isaac and Bill and, and uh, Pastor Toye. I don't have time to talk about all those guys, but it, it, it's going to be amazing along with me and Steph and others here. When you get all of us together, we do it in Houston at Pastor Toye's every year. We're doing it at, been doing it now since I met Pastor Isaac in San Francisco. And I said, man, when God's, God, when can I do it? When can I do it? He finally said this year. It's going to take a lot of faith, financially speaking, to get people here from across the country, to pay for expenses, to, to do all the things we need to do. But I know we're up for the challenge, don't you? It's just like, it's just like sowing to the city, right? For the city, this is the same thing now. This is the next level or another piece of who we are. It's sowing to bring God's presence and revelation, understanding, and power to our city at a greater level than we could ever do. This is more for you than them. Say, this is for me. So you don't want to miss it. Say, I don't want to miss it. So let me jump into this message here really quick because I, I, I didn't get to it. I could stay on what I was talking to you about for a while. So just over 17 years ago, I had this revelation, this vision from God about two streams coming together, integrity and faith in God's word and demonstration and manifestation of God's presence. This word is why you greatly see many of you. Anyone, how many of you have been in here, either had a miracle in this house or seen a miracle in this house? Look around, people, if you're a guest. Why do we see that? Why does that happen? We had had it happen somewhat before, but it just every year it became more frequent, more frequent, more frequent, more frequent. And we've been in a high season the last few years. It just seems like, man, it, hit, it might hit for a week or three months, and we just see all kinds of beautiful, crazy miracles, the miraculous. But what we're getting ready to do, according to the vision, I believe it, that God gave Miss Gwen, and, and according to this vision God gave me, he is ready now to promote us to a whole other level of receiving. A whole other level of what we call spiritually impartation. It means to be input in you, to be uh, put inside you. And the reason that all happens is when people get revelation. Now, uh, God said Bethel is going to be that place too, right? And it, but you are Bethel. Say, I am the church, right? We're, we're the church of Jesus Christ, but we represent him here at Bethel. But we take that wherever we are, and we release Jesus. So... What I want to do is try to help bring together for you an understanding of what's happening now and where we're going to. When we experience God's presence with signs and wonders, we are seeing and will see, uh, we're going to see and we'll see greater miracles with miracles, signs, wonders, salvations, and so on with greater regularity. And we're going to have a human tendency to do what? We're going to ask, well, why? Well, God, why, why? Why do we see these miracles in a lot of other places don't? God, why has the, the intensity turned up of signs and wonders? Why has that happened? So why is the wrong question. That's not the question we should ask. We never ask why when we're in the middle of a move of God. See, a lot of people want to figure it out. As soon as they see people healed and delivered and now they want to know more about God, then they cool down. They want to know more about God, then they cool down. And, and that's why when you see many times when I'm ministering, where it's a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, laying hands on someone, prophesying, or we see someone without even being touched, be physically manifested, healed, even with doctor reports and so on, I'll stop in the middle of that and just start telling you what I see, how I feel God's talking to me, my understanding, how, how this thing is. Why is that? Because that's that demonstration part. You see, a lot of men and women of God that's flowed in miracle signs and wonders, they've manifested and it's still a mystery how they did it. And God said, look, I want to manifest my glory, but I'm requiring you to demonstrate it. Everybody say demonstrate. So when you do a demonstration, right, you see these infomercials, what they do, they're, they're talking about the product and they're demonstrating how it works. So what I'm doing is talking about the glory and showing you the glory, but I'm, I'm demonstrating how the glory flows and how his power and his love manifests and his deliverance, healing, and salvation manifests. So that's a call on my life that's very unique that I'm coming in stronger and stronger every year of my life. And, and I believe that you're going to be 
performing and doing miracles, signs and wonders at a greater level than any other people around us could ever imagine doing. Say, I receive that. So instead of asking that question, why is God moving, ask two other questions, the same questions that that the disciples asked. And they said, they didn't say, why did Jesus raise from the dead? What they say, they said, what does this mean and what must I do? When you see a miracle, you don't have to try to figure it out. You, you, you don't have to say why. You just got to understand the meaning of what God was demonstrating, the meaning of what God is doing. And I can tell you, everything he does is co-mission together. If, if Jesus give us a great commission, right? Whoever saves shall be baptized, heal the sick, raise the dead. Any deadly thing they drink won't, won't hurt them and so on, right? What, what does he say? He said, he said, go forth and preach my gospel with what? Signs. The word preach, we get all caught up in our English culture. The word preach just means proclaim. You don't have to be ordained to preach. You don't have to be ordained to to proclaim. Someone hurts your kid at school, you're going to make a proclamation, right? Someone, you know, tries to, you know, hurt you in public, you're going to make a, you're going to proclaim something, I bet. It may not even be Christian words, right? So you are called and anointed to proclaim. So in other words, we say preach the gospel. He said, anyone that proclaims the gospel, what is the gospel? It's the truth about God. You're just proclaiming the truth about God. What? That he saves, that he heals, that he delivers, that he loves. And when you begin, that's just pieces of it, right? So let's look at where this came from in Acts chapter 2, after the disciples had received, the apostles and all the, the 120 room disciples received Holy Spirit, right? The Bible says what? That they were waiting in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came like, like, uh, like fire upon them and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word baptized, baptizo, means to immerse or submerge, right? So they were immersed and submerged. They were already born again. Why? Because they, once Jesus rose from the dead, it opened that door like it did with the transition with John the Baptist. Now the next transition with Jesus, and they believed on his resurrection and accepted him as Lord and Savior, but they didn't have, they didn't really have the Holy Spirit yet because he was given the Holy Spirit, right? Parakletos, handoff, when he rose uh, earlier in the chapter one, whenever he went to heaven ascended, Parakletos, Holy Spirit came down to take his place on the earth on a regular basis, and what happened when he did that, they were in the upper room. When Holy Spirit came in like fire, what happened? All of a sudden, they experienced the glory of God like no other person had ever done in history. So they received that manifestation of God's glory. Now they go out to tell the people, and it's on the Feast of Pentecost when there's probably over 100,000 people there. It would, it'd be a It'd be... People came from different countries and everything uh, in a Jewish relationship, religion to what? To worship together during the feast, the week of Pentecost. There was hundreds of thousands probably. And the disciples, the apostles came out and Peter was preaching or proclaiming that day. And they heard these tongues and stuff going on and these new languages they'd just gotten. And all these people, the, the Bible says in Acts 2, there was a great sound, boom. And when that great sound happened, you know what that great sound was? That's when the Holy Spirit came and manifested himself in there with the disciples that it was so powerful, they only felt and saw what they felt and saw, the fire of God, the flaming tongues, all that, and received it. But it was such a resounding when Holy Spirit hit planet Earth, it sounded like a bomb going off. But see, they didn't know how to explain it. They never heard a jet take off. They never heard a grenade go off. They never had a gun explode. They're just trying to explain this amazing sound. And what happened? Everyone in the city rushed to where the sound was. If the sound didn't come from the upper room and that area, they could have rushed anywhere. But they didn't. They rushed where they felt the greatest impact of that sound was. And there was the disciples walking around speaking in their prayer language. And then they're looking at him like they're crazy. And Peter said, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you're, we're, these men are not drunk as you're supposed. It's only 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning. And then he began to proclaim to them about Jesus and what had really happened to them. So what I want you to realize is we are to commission. Now, just as we commission with him, you're to commission with your spiritual leadership. 
If I'm operating in something, you need to believe to operate in something. If I lay hands on the sick, you need to lay hands on the sick. Well, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy either in myself, but I'm not in myself. I'm in, I'm, I'm born again, what? In Christ Jesus, the hope of my glory. I'm not in my glory. I'm in his glory. I'm not, I'm not in my, my proxy or my bank account. I got his bank account. I got, I got, I don't have my power. I have his power. And the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. If you're born again, blood-bought, he'll do miracles to you. Say, yes, he will. So verse 12, Peter said this. When he tells them all that, Acts 2, 12, it says, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? All those people that showed up where Peter and those guys were, they asked this first question, what does this mean? They were amazed and perplexed at the same time, right? That's a little confusing right there. They're amazed but a little confused and upset, like, what does this mean? And then in verse 37, that's when they heard this from Peter. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? First, they said, what does it mean? And Peter told them what it meant from verse 13 on to 37. And he told them about Jesus, the resurrection and the power. Then what did he do? They said, what must we do? So when you are around God's presence, God's power. You get revelation in your heart, in your mind. The way we grow gifts in our life, the Bible says you practice them like a doctor practices medicine, an attorney practices law. You practice them, right? So let's look now at asking these two right questions. What The first one is, what does this mean? Well, what does it mean for Bethel? What does it mean when I say two streams move? What does it mean when we see salvations and healings just begin to, to rack up in hundreds and even thousands? What does it mean when we see more diverse, powerful miracle signs and wonders? Well, first of all, I believe it means not just the leadership doing it, but you're doing it. And not just doing it in this building. This is a training center, empowering center. See you do it at work, at home, and in your neighborhood. So first question, what does it mean? It means that we're moving into a greater season of presence and manifestation. Presence and glory. Presence and manifestation. A season when the manifested presence of God shows up, resulting in what? Miraculous, impossible, and supernatural events and things happen. Here's where I get the context from. Look with me in Psalm 66, verses 1 through 7. Psalm 66, verse 1 through 7. <clears throat> says this. God's speaking to his people says, shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name, what the manifested presence of his name. If you use his name, he shows up. Tell the world how glorious he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. What, what's that? That's giving thanks, a thanksgiving offering, right? That's different than worship. Giving thanks gets you out of the outer, into the outer court. Worshiping him gets you in the inner court. But anyway, but it starts with giving thanks and having gratitude. Uh, verse 4, everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name, your name in glorious songs. Now look at verse 5. This is what they used to call us the first three to five years of our ministry here. Come and see. Everybody say, come and see. Come and see what our God has done and what awesome miracles he performs for his people. Around this city, people would say, well, what kind of church is Bethel? When we were over in the warehouse and we were over in uh, Claysville, and even when we were here in the early years, and the people would say, well, what do I tell them, Pastor? I mean, I try to tell them we're spirit-filled, we're this, we're that. I said, just tell them you're the come and see church. What do you mean? Just come and you'll see. That's how confident I am. I believe anytime you come in this building, if you're hungry, you will see God in some form or some fashion. You will feel God. You will sense God. You will know God. And we really are a what? Come and see church. And if you want to win the generations that are on this planet now and the generations are to come, you've got to show them God. Because they get so much information and junk and all this stuff, they don't, they don't have a clue. But if you can demonstrate the glory, if you can show them God and have the revelation of God to give them truth, you can what? Set them free. 
So the psalmist was what? He was describing a manifestation season. He was describing how God was doing. And it goes on down to say, remember when you opened the Red Sea and you did all these things? What's it talking about? When God was doing all that, manifestation seasons were higher than others. Well, why are you saying seasons? Your life is lived in seasons. You know, you take the decades of your life, we live in seasons in our weather, we live in seasons in daylight, dark, all that stuff. We live in seasons. What, kind, what is a season? That's, there's two kinds of time in God. Chronos time is uh, time that goes into seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. Segmented time. But Keros time is what? Keros time is seasons in the chronos. Okay? So he was describing what? A season in the chronos, a manifestation season. And that's what I see in my spirit getting ready to explode. I mean, getting ready to explode. I've had a vision before where I saw cars lined up both directions and, and could, just trying to get on the property any way they can. Not for a special service, for a regular service. Because I believe all services are special. So when we see that, here's some qualities. What are some qualities of a manifested season? So that, that is what when two streams come together. That's God's word being filled, being heard, being seen, being received in your prayer. God's word, Jesus being heard, Jesus being seen, Jesus being received in your presence just before your eyes. When God gave me that vision about this in 2005, and these two, he, he began to share also with me these, these two different streams, integrity and faith in the word and demonstration and manifestation of the glory, there's two seasons, of man, the seasons of manifestation we are in is the expression of these two streams I'm talking about coming together. Now, for those of you thinking, wow, man, I don't feel like I'm in a season of manifestation. I'm just trying to get through. I'm just trying to get by. I, 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 I mean, I see other people get healed and saved and filled and forgiven and depression leave and anxiety leave. That, that's cool, but I, I'm hanging on. I know I'm saved, but I don't feel it. I don't see it in my own life. Anybody feel like that right now? Doesn't mean you always feel like it. Do you ever feel like you're in a season? You know what that season is? It's called hiddenness, the hidden season. So we're in one of two seasons in our life as believers. We're in seasons where God is manifesting. We feel him, we sense him, we see him in us and around us. And then there are seasons where we feel like we don't see him, we don't feel him. We know he's there, we know he loves us, we know we're saved, know we're filled with spirit. But, but, but there's not a lot of evidence other than my own faith, right? And so... As we begin to look at this, and we think about seasons of manifestation, it's not hard, right? You, you see things happen, you sense it, you feel it. Well, let's talk about the second season here real quick. The second season, when you don't sense it, feel it, or see it, is really the most important season. The most important season. Because you can't have a manifestation season without a hidden season. Everybody say a hidden season. I've never heard anybody teach on this. So... Might as well be me, Lord. So it's a Christ follower. How many Christ followers, born-again believers in there? Right? As a Christ follower, two of the most significant seasons you will constantly experience in your life is manifestation and hidden. Manifestation and hidden. Hidden seasons are completely different than manifestation seasons. In seasons of hiddenness, we can't always feel his presence, so we just have to trust him that he's there. We can't always see his miracles. We can just trust him that he's a miracle worker. We can't always see him as Savior, but we trust him as our Savior, our Lord, and so on. Now, now, what do we get that, why would God let us be in hidden seasons? Well, you know, I'm a little older than 39. And so, uh, I used to say 29, I used to say 19. Ooh, I'm a little older than 49, I'm a little older than 59. So, <laughs> hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I just lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, remember, remember the, the thing that was either on your grandma or your mom's or your great-grandma's wall? You'd see this picture of Jesus, right, of this guy, like Jesus, uh, see, the guy uh, that's walking on the beach and everything's going good in his life. He's a Christian until when Jesus are walking, you just see the prints in the sand, two sets of prints, right? He said, well, Lord, but look, I see you're right there with me, but when the times get tough and the trials are hard, I just see one set of footprints. 
In other words, he's thinking, you've left me when the tough times come, and it's just me walking. But what he didn't realize, it was Jesus carrying him, and all he really saw was Jesus' footprints. But the presence was hidden from him. Oh, man. Come on now. Come on now. You know there's something about it. You're excited and perplexed what's going on. A hidden sees this where you're going through stuff that you can't handle, you can't carry. God's still moving on your behalf. You just can't hear him. You can't sense him. You can't feel him and you feel alone. You know why? Because he wants you to grow. He wants you to honor him and worship him and know about him. But the key is we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing on this planet. He said, Jesus said, what? John 14, you will not only do the works I've done, but you will do what? Greater works. Everybody say greater. Than these. What kinds of works? Healing the sick, setting the captives free, deliverance. I mean, it's not that complicated when you have revelation. You can take complicated things and make them simple. So these hidden seasons are completely different than our manifestation season. What are these about? In seasons of hiddenness, we, we learn to grow our trust in God, right? And we lose our trust in ourselves. In seasons of hiddenness, it's about what? Revelation. Everybody say revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is the revealed word of God. It's the, the un, and Hosea, it says, what, Hosea 6 or 4, where it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He's not talking about math and addition and English or what, quantum physics or anything else. He's talking about kingdom knowledge of knowing God. Hmm. So, hiddenness is where God, all through, through everything is, pre, uh, uh, is where, is God not really seen or felt, you don't feel his presence. What's he doing? He's teaching you. He's training you to seek. He's training you. People want to do what Jesus did, but they didn't go up on the mountain and weep great tears and pray every night of their life or ever how often they did. They, they didn't give up their life for a cause. But Jesus, we want to be like him. You got to realize what he did. You know, Peter, you know, he was, he was uh, crucified upside down. He said, don't crucify me and dishonor my heavenly father. Just Put me upside down, they did, right? So there's different ways these guys died, man. John couldn't even kill him. They tried to kill him, tried to do everything, tried to boil him. He wouldn't die. They just put him on the aisle of Patmos by himself. You know why? His time wasn't yet because he was getting a greater revelation. Can you imagine the one that Jesus said, said oh, he must have been way loved. He was the one on Jesus' breast. He, he was the one that was all love. He was the one all, oh, he seemed like Jesus' favorite out of the 12, even above his own brother James. John just seemed like the favorite. And John would have been better off to die like Peter or something. Just be, you know, just, just or John the Baptist, beheaded or be crucified upside down. That's bad. But to be tortured and try to kill you and burn you and melt your body and you still don't die. And then that's not good enough. You know, he's, he's probably on that island believing for his healing <laughs> or believing for heaven. And God lets him sit out there in hiddenness. But what if John had cursed God and backslid and said, to heck with this. You don't love me. I don't see your footprints beside me. How could you let this happen to me? All the wonderful things and revelation and love I've shown. How would you let this happen to me? But he didn't. He loved God even through his pain. He loved God even through his perplexion. He loved God even, under, even through misunderstanding. He just knew and trusted God enough to know that it was going to work out. And God had a plan. And then we got the book of Revelation vision. We wouldn't have had that if John hadn't stuck it out over on the Isle of Patmos. So what you're going through in hiddenness may be a time of suffering, but who don't suffer? Maybe a time of pain and loneliness, but who never experiences pain or loneliness? What you got to do is, why? what does this mean? Not why? Well, God, why am I suffering? God, why am I bankrupt? God, why, why am I sick? Why? No, no, that's not, no, no, no. You're, all that stuff happens because there's a curse. No, you got to say, what, what does this mean? What revelation can I get? We had 10 years of hell here just trying to make it after the economy crashed. We're a new church. We don't have a backing or a denomination. And sometimes it was touch and go. I'd be driving downtown to the bank on a Friday right before 5 o'clock just getting our payment in right before. I've done that oh, dozens of times or more. But we're having people healed and saved and growing the church. And, but 
Y'all didn't see that because that wasn't your season to see it. You would have, you point, oh God, this church is going broke. And why am I tithing and giving to them? They must be. It wasn't that. It was the economy. And you, you, everybody's checks went down. Your income went down. So you had less to give. Other people lost jobs. Companies closed. Well, well, what happens with that? For me, I was perplexed. I'm like, what does this mean? For a while, I was like, why is this happening, God? Then it finally got to where after a few years, I was smart enough to finally start seeking God and say, well, what does it mean? But you know what? I don't ever want to live those 10 years again as far as the church goes. Great years in our personal life. But I'm thankful for it. Maybe it would have been one year if I'd been a little more, you know, not such a baby. You know, it's true. God, God don't care about time. He is time. He don't, he, don't, he don't have a past, present, future. He always was and always will be. Bible says he's God and he, cha- he doesn't lie. He, Jesus, he changes not. Same today, yesterday, and forever, right? So, so, so it's not God, what does it mean to God or why? You've got to say, God, what does it mean for me? The sooner you figure out what does it mean for you and you get it and you do it, the quicker that hidden season will go. But if you're just sitting over there, why, why is everybody picking on me? Then, then, then you're going to be in that season. Who knows? Till you go to heaven, maybe. Is this helping anybody? Let me read a couple verses. I got, I got, we got something special. Nobody's going to leave. That's what they tell me. I don't know. I hope it's special. Okay. Um, they keep me in the hiddenness of it. I don't know. Yeah, thank you, Brother Michael. We'll see. Nah. <laughs> okay. So, so let's be looking at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's look at the scripture real quick. Verses 6 through 8. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. <clears throat> However, there is a wisdom that we continue to speak of when we're among the spiritually mature. Right? When you're in this church, you should be around spiritually mature people. It's wisdom that what didn't originate in this present age or dispensation, nor did it come from the rulers of this age, government, church leaders, or whatever, of this age, who are in process of being dethroned, who are in the process of being dethroned. You know, there's a lot of leaderships in churches that are getting dethroned, have been. There's a lot of political leaders and stuff like that being dethroned. A lot of influential people, their power is limited. God's is unlimited. But the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned, instead, everybody say instead, we continually speak of his wonderful, this wonderful wisdom that comes from God. Hidden, everybody say hidden. Hidden before now in a mystery. I mean, Jesus, that's a mystery, right? How, how did a, a young virgin, teenage girl give birth to the Son of God without ever having any, whatever you call it, I don't want to say kids in there, getting together, intimacy or whatever? How, how, how can you procreate when you're the only one? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. How did Jesus live and die but then he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and then rose again. How did he meet him on the Aramaic road and they didn't know him and then he showed himself? How did, what did the disciples do in Mark chapter 11 when they were in there moaning and complaining, the big, big, bad apostles in there moaning and complaining, and the Mary Magdalene and them had seen Jesus, and they didn't even believe her, and the Bible says he walks through the wall and upbraids them. I mean, he's ticked off. He let them have it. Good thing he didn't have a whip in his hand. You know, he did that in the church once too. Ran the money changers out. So, so, how can you explain it? The gospel is a mystery. God is a mystery to us because we only have revealed truth that we can get. Or we trust someone that got it and we accept it as truth. But it all comes through what? The word. So, the hidden season is so important because that's a manifested season of, what? of the word of God being manifested in your presence, in your heart, in your mind. He said, hidden before now in a mystery, in this, in his secret plan, destined before all ages to bring us into glory, God's manifested presence. So you're in a hidden season, but you're destined to be in a manifestation season. Every hidden season is a step towards the next level of a manifestation or a glory season. Everybody say, I'm ready for the glory. 
None of the rulers of this present world understood it, for if they did, they would have never crucified Jesus. The Lord, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. He is the light of the world, right? Shining glory. The hidden wisdom of God is the most often found. When is the wisdom of God? When do you get the greatest revelation? In your hidden secrets. We see that in, in Luke's gospel, chapter 18, verse 31 here. It says, when he took the twelve aside, he said to them, Behold, you are going up to Jerusalem. We are going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written in the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will deli- be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This was hidden from them. They did not know the things, what the things were that were spoken. They had not gotten a revelation of the Messiah. Remember when that, whenever Peter, uh, right in that, right there, oh, the same time time period. But it says in Matthew's gospel, whenever Peter got the revelation that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and 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 uh, Jesus said, well. How wonderful you are, Peter, among men. That could only come through my Father, which art in heaven. Revelation from the Father. And then by the end of that same chapter, he's, get behind me, Satan. To the same man who just said, how blessed you are with revelation. Just because you get a little revelation, people, don't get arrogant. Me and Miss Gwen know this. That's the most dangerous things that, that you deal with with the intercessors. Because God will let them see and tap in and hear things that the average person don't because they have a gift and they're seeking. But then they get all arrogant. How many of we had, we just had, some we've had to help out the door and some, a lot of went out the door, prophets and prophetess and all that. And we honor prophets and prophetess. But when they get to where their pride is so big that they're hurting the flock, either I'm going or they're going and I was here first. Well, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and it just cracks me up. I see so many people and, and I've trained people how to operate the word of knowledge and, and all that. And the same people within six months get all fluffed up because they gave a few little words, didn't they, Mark? And then they go off to some other flaky place that's just as flaky as they are. Well, I wonder who that is. Well, who cares? It don't matter. I hope it's never you. That's what I'm telling you, so it's never you. Now, I love them. I'll hug them. I'll be good for them. I pray for them. I, I want them to be helped and blessed. Hopefully, they grew up a little more. But what I'm saying is pride comes what? Before the fall. You know, when I've had people's bones straighten out in my hand, I've watched milky substance that no eyes create an eyeball in people's head. Tens of thousands of people I've led to the Lord. Hundreds of people I've delivered from demonic activity. I mean, possessed people. Tens of thousands of people that were delivered from demonic activity. If anybody in this room should be proud, it should be me. Well, if I didn't have hidden seasons, I wouldn't. The difference between me and a lot of these people is, and, and hopefully you, is that in your hidden seasons, you're not asking God why I'm blaming God. You're asking, what does this mean and what must I do? What does this mean and what must I do? I don't know about you, but that was good. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you, but let me let me read. There's there's all kinds you get in the Bible, especially in Psalms, but other places too, and you can read about hidden places. I take that place, location as a season, right? Psalm 31, verse 20, it says, You hide them in the shelter of your presence. In other words, they're in the shelter of his presence, but if you're in the shelter, you can't see or feel his presence. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, save from those who conspire against them, but you shelter them in your presence far from accusing tongues. In other words, no weapon formed against you can prosper, right? And Unless you give more attention to the weapon than God. And here, I'm going to read these two verses. This Psalm 91 has got me through so much in my life, but I'm just going to read two verses to you and then a third one. <clears throat> so Psalm 91, 1 through 2. Who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide under what? The shadow of the Almighty. In other words, they're not abiding under the manifested light or glory. He said, what? Let me read it again. You hide the, it says, uh, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide what? Under the 
shadow, uh, didn't say under the glory or the manifested presence. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. Even when it's shady in your life and you don't see the light, you still got to praise him and give him glory. Even when it don't feel good, it don't look good, and by, frankly, it ain't good. You got to praise him. You got to give him thanks. The reason people live in worry and anxiety, they can't get over the question why. If you're anxious today, it's the question why. If you're depressed today, why? Why Why me, God? Why this? Why that? And it can be tragic things happen in your life. I get that. But you got to say not why, but what does this mean and what must I do? And God will turn it a thousandfold to your glory and favor in him. And you won't be in the shadow. You'll be in the light of his glory. What do I got to do? First of all, I got to praise him, and then it says I got to trust him. Drop down to verse 7, uh, 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 Psalm 32, 7. You are, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall sound me with songs, surround me with songs of deliverance. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Well, no, sit down, because if you stand, somebody will sneak out, and they said, I can't let anybody leave. I think they got the doors locked in. Raise your hands to heaven. Let's pray. So it's not my first day out, people. Come on now. Hallelujah. Father, we just love you and trust you. We thank you for our hidden seasons. We thank you for our manifestation seasons. We thank you, God, that we're already in the moon. We just don't have revelation of it yet like we need to. But God, I know that you're going to reveal it more and more to all of us, that we understand it, that we can co-minister, co-mission with you, God, that we can take it outside these walls to wherever we are. Father, we just love you so much. We thank you for grace. Your son, Jesus, who's able to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. We thank you for your love, Lord. And you love us no matter what we or anyone else thinks about us. We thank you for mercy, God, because we all deserve judgment. Thank you for your hope, your peace. So today, Lord, whatever season anyone in this room is, please accelerate them deeper into your glory, deeper into your manifestation so we can be the house of God you called us to be. We love you. We honor you, Lord. Show us, Lord. Show us, Father. Show us, Father, what does this mean and what must we do? And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Give God a big shout of praise. Thank you.